welcome to the My Curious Colleague Podcast with your host, me, Denise Veneri. We'll be talking all things consumer relations with a focus on consumer product goods organizations and the brand specialist and analyst roles and responsibilities. So if you like CPGs like I like CPGs, marketing, insights, and caring deeply for your consumers, well, take a listen. Hello, my curious colleagues. Today, my guest is my colleague, Steve Sedlak, a former customer service leader and now retired. A little about Steve. Steve is currently a member of the board of directors at SOCAP, and that again is the Society of Consumer Affairs Professionals. And as I mentioned, recently retired, but still kind of keeping his hands in things. Uh, Steve had worked for more than 20 years for Orbitz.com and SBM Life Science Corp on the residential side of the lawn and care industry. In these roles, Steve managed the organization as well as the vision for the complaints management process and data reporting to senior leadership. Additionally, Steve has held various positions at American Airlines for 20 years in reservations, strategic planning, and line operations. Steve is a member of SOCAP now. It's been 17 years and has participated in multiple chapter and national events as a panelist and a speaker. In fact, he just hosted a panel earlier this month. He has um, also been the treasurer and president of the SOCAP Chicago chapter. So hello, Steve, and welcome to the podcast. So happy to have you. Hi, Denise. It's really great to be here. And thanks so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this for quite a while now. Of course, of course. You know, I just went through your bio, and I know that if we sort of reflected back on your storied career. I'm hoping that you can sort of glean some tangible gems, lessons learned for our audience to to think on, consider, and and maybe execute. Absolutely. I I hope that uh, this is beneficial for anybody listening in, perhaps even some people who are newer to the customer service profession, and that some of the experiences I've I've had and can share would be uh, really helpful in their career. Great. Let's go for it. What are some of your lessons learned? Oh, boy. Some of the lessons learned. Um, I think the biggest one that I would say is that trust matters. That's kind of overarching. And it's uh, uh, one of those topics that people sometimes gloss over. They don't teach you about this in, in B school. But whether it's to your customers, to your team, to your peers, your colleagues. uh, I think that uh, building that trust that you can uh, deliver on what you say you're going to deliver and that you know when to say no and that you've got good reasoning behind it uh, and that they can trust your judgment. That, I mean, that takes time and it takes effort. Uh, but it's it's important to to uh, build that trust up amongst your work associates uh, and your customers, uh, and I, th- I think part of that is 
you know, managing and leading both up and down the chain of command. So I think that your your uh, associates who are your direct reports need to know they can trust you, that you've got their back. And uh, you also have to manage up the chain of command, that your leaders know they can trust you. Because the reality is that sometimes in business, you, you know, you have to color outside the lines a little bit. And you might have to do something a little special for a consumer. And you want to make sure that your leaders, while they may ask questions about it, that they can trust that you made the right decision in that situation to protect the business. Other learnings, uh, you know, they're, they're, they sound a little trite, but they're, they're very true. Under promise and over deliver. Mm. Uh, one I, I particularly am, am fond of and got my, you know, hand slapped enough times to learn it is uh, they didn't want it perfect. They wanted it Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> and by that, I mean, in, in a lot of instances, your leaders will come to you and ask for information because they're trying to make a quick decision or they feel the need to make a decision or the schedule says my boss is going to have it, is going to have this topic on his plate on a specific day and time and you've got to be ready. So You'll never get, you probably will never have 100% of the information you're looking for to make a decision, but you've got to get, if you can get to 85%, do the best you can, present the case, and make sure it's on time so that that person can make a decision in whatever their grand scheme is. Uh, because those are, those are really uh, difficult uh the timing is never in your control or very seldom is in your control. Uh, other lessons, learn all you can about your business uh, and your, your industry and your competitors. The devil's in the details. Uh, be uh, just voracious in, in your appetite for information and learning how it all gets pieced together. Um, and then the other thing is, help when you're dealing with your leaders, help them understand that how the information that you're providing them is relevant and significant to your business. Uh, Don't, uh, you know, a a piece of information is just that, or a piece of knowledge is just that until you can explain how it is relevant and turn it into, you know, information that somebody can make a decision on because they now have this information. I say that's, I think that's a good start on some of the, uh, the learnings that you can glean from, uh, you know, the things that I've learned over, over time. Yeah. I think I wrote down, there's four, that's about four gems, four good ones. So thank you for that. I, I know last summer was big for you. You retired and a lot of people, you know, look at retirement in the, in the, you know, the, um, in the distance there and they think, oh, it's going to be grand and all that good stuff. So I'm curious now you're about nine months into retirement. Is there anything that you miss from working? Sure. Uh, I miss my, uh, my friends and my peers. Uh, I think that they, um, you know, there were, a, 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 we, 
we solved a lot of problems together. And, and so I miss that problem solving. Uh, I really did enjoy helping people. There were clearly consumers who contacted me or my team that, that needed assistance. Um, you know, I can remember, this goes back a number of years with, more with Orbitz, but I remember a, a, a woman who unfortunately uh, was going on a, uh, a cruise and her luggage got, and she was going to Europe and her luggage got misplaced by the airline or got delayed by the airline, I should say. And she was calling us back in the States looking for help. And unfortunately, as as Orbitz, we were just basically a booking agency. We had to try to get her to contact the airline and be guided by whatever they uh, they could do. But but she needed help. Yeah. And I guess after about the third cruise stop, her luggage finally caught up with her. But uh, the airline was literally chasing her around Europe, trying to get the bags ahead of her. But and and. And same thing in lawn and garden. There were people who just didn't understand how to effectively use the product. And, you know, we wanted to be a source of good information for them to help them out to uh, use the product effectively so that their grass was green and the weeds were gone. And and they were able to, you know, have confidence that the product would perform as it as it was supposed to. So I think I think those are the biggest things, you know, the the people and the problem solving, helping helping people, uh, helping consumers get the most out of the the product or the service. I'm sure if I asked you what are the things you love about retirement, that we could go on forever. But we'll get we'll get back now into the questions at hand. And I'd mentioned that you had hosted a webinar. It's ironic that I'm having you on the podcast this month. Let's focus now on what your philosophy is of complaint management. Boy, philosophy, there, there are so many aspects to that. But I think the, the biggest thing in terms of managing complaints is that the top line is that com- managing complaints is a, uh, is a fundamental role of the consumer affairs team, whatever you call it, customer experience, customer relations. And you're doing, you're trying to do two things. I think you're trying to do your best to take care of uh, the consumer in whatever way is appropriate for that situation. And you are trying to build a repository of information for your leadership to help them understand what what difficulties consumers are having using your product or service. And so I think that, and then understanding that relevancy and the significance of those complaints is the way you build the voice of the customer and is a significant component of how you build the voice of the customer back to the business. So I think that uh, those two um, concepts within your philosophy have to be addressed in a way that, you know, works for your business and within your budget and within 
the constraints of what whatever your business model is. Um, in terms of taking care of the customer, that that can mean a lot of education and helping them understand how the product's supposed to work or how the service is supposed to work. Um, it can mean um, compensation. You know, what, what kinds of compensation do you offer? Do you, you know, do you have hard barriers and a hard budget that you can use? I know that some of my my peers around the uh, the consumer affairs industry, they're part of an association and they can't provide cash compensation to some of their their consumers. So how do you do that effectively? Uh, I I didn't have that that um, situation. I was fortunate that if if we had to uh, use cash to take care of a consumer, we could. Sometimes you can, uh, in our case, particularly say with orbits, because the service provider was an airline or a hotel or a car rental company, we could go to that company. We had the business relationship to be able to go and get favors from them uh, when it was appropriate. Uh, And other times it's just surprise and delight. Uh, You know, what can you do that's really extraordinary? Can you to go beyond um, beyond the uh, the norm. So not only do you, uh, you know, somebody says, "Oh, I had to had to cancel a trip because I had a death in my family." You know, can you send them just a nice card, sound signed by your your department, saying, "Hey, we're." Sorry you couldn't take the trip, but we're also so sorry for your for your loss. And just do something that makes a little bit of a personal connection with that with that consumer. Um, in terms of the the piece of where you manage your 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 complaints and talk about significance, it, it's about establishing that voice of the customer and helping the business understand what, you know, what those customers are going through. How big is this pie? What's the relevance and the significance to the business? Because in most cases, the direct impact of that consumer who's complaining is probably very small relative to the lost sales and the bad word of mouth and the, ultimate business impact. So working with your company to find out how they view this and how, what they think of this, is it, if you get three complaints, do they just view it as three complaints or do they understand that maybe there's 30 or 300 people out there that are now not buying your product because this person shared their experience out with their friends and colleagues and maybe even on social media. So those are all really important building blocks in in creating that, uh, an understanding of that relevance to your senior management. You know, I know that we had talked previously also under this topic a little bit about your point of view on 
you know, sort of the com communication that goes back out to consumers when they contact about complaints. Did you want to share a little bit about about that? Sure, uh, absolutely. I think I think when you're communicating out with your consumers, I think you really have to keep in mind that words matter. It sounds trite, but you know it's very true. And I think that uh, sometimes we, in communicating, because we're going to tell the customer no, we use, a, I'll say, legalese, corporatese, corporate speak, uh, I call it fluff, uh, to soften the blow of, of saying, no, we can't do what you've asked us to do. And sometimes that can be confusing or unclear to the consumer. So I, I do believe you have to try to be as direct and uh, not forceful, but explanatory, but you have to be, uh, you have to be clear in your messaging. Um, but you also have to try to say it with empathy that we, you know, that we do care about how you feel about this. We understand why you might feel in a certain way, but the facts don't prove this out. And so being clear and direct, but with empathy is a, is a tightrope and each within, within each business and each situation, you need to be able to tweak that messaging a little bit. Um, and so I think what that means is whatever tool you've got, you can have templates that your, your teams can use to, to make, you know, to, to frame a message, but you've got to be able to give them leeway to, to, uh, personalize that message so that the consumer really feels you're speaking directly to them and it's not just a form letter that they're getting. Yeah. Sage advice, sage advice. Steve, we're getting to the end of the podcast, sadly. And as you may know, I always um, give my guests the opportunity to give a shout out to a volunteer organization. I would love to. And I really appreciate that, Denise. I think it's a, I think it's really important for businesses generally to have um, a reason outside of making money as to why they exist. What do they give back to the community? And so I, I've uh, been a volunteer at Habitat for Humanity for uh, a number of years on in different ways. Uh, my wife and I, when we, we moved to North Carolina, we uh, cleaned out our house and a lot of our uh, older Things that we no longer needed went to Habitat Restores, and I would certainly encourage people to go to Habitat.org uh, and look at those giving opportunities, whether it's of your time or those older treasures that you no longer use. Uh, and uh, there are people who need them, and it, it's, uh, it's a great organization to, to give back into, into your individual communities, and certainly would encourage you to do that. Perfect. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing your time on a Saturday morning with me um, to be on the podcast. I, it's been a pleasure, Denise. It's really uh, 
a great opportunity for me to give back to other organizations or other other perhaps up, up and coming people who are joining the profession. And I'm glad to share it. And I appreciate the time with you as well. Thank you. If you've learned even a kernel of an idea or was inspired by this episode, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast on Apple Podcast. Be sure to share out the hashtag CPGCX because CPGCX really and truly rocks. You have been listening to the My Curious Colleague podcast with Denise Veneri. Thank you for your time.